You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would not leave us to ourselves, but that you would speak to us uh, by your Spirit. And even though this uh, may seem uh, to be uh, a business meeting, uh, Lord, we pray that you would use it to bring glory to your name and that your name would be known unto the very ends of the earth. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, There is no greater importance... Uh, And nothing greater than the message that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. This message is everything, not just to the Advent, but to all of us. It is for this reason that we as a congregation hold a living, daring confidence in the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We exist to proclaim the freeing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples wherever God has placed us. Nothing more, nothing less. This is what we are and what we are to be about. To that end, we embarked upon and find ourselves still in the midst of our visioning process. We have affirmed who we are and what it is we are to be about and have articulated how this purpose and mission is to be manifested in the life of our congregation. At our last annual meeting, I was able to share our strategic areas of focus. Worship. We will hold the gospel at the center rooting our worship in the English Reformation, making it always accessible and hospitable. Discipleship. We will equip every member of the Advent for the work of discipleship by creating and nurturing a culture that responds to the grace we have received from Jesus Christ. Ministry development. We will identify, develop, and equip leaders for full-time professional ministry at the Advent, in the Episcopal Church, and in the Anglican Communion. Outreach. We will serve the Lord Jesus Christ by engaging in his spiritual spiritual and material restoration of our city and world. Shepherding. We will focus on the reconciling word and work of Jesus Christ as they propel us in the way we care for and live with one another. And finally, communication. We will communicate in ways that effectively enhance and further the ministry and purpose of the Advent. In 2017, we were able to articulate our priorities and planning, and we are already underway in developing some of those items. You can find a detailed articulation in the trifold brochure entitled Priorities and Planning that is still in Klingman Commons, or you can find it on our website. As I mentioned in my last address, there was and is no agenda other than to discern God's will for the Advent and to conform our life to His will. No one told these groups what to do, but prayerfully considered where God is leading the Advent in each of these areas. With such an open-ended agenda, this past year has been one of a concern for a few. When I gathered the senior wardens emeriti for a conversation around the process, one of them, after looking at the final product, declared, there's no there there. That is... This is not some nefarious plot or Trojan horse in order to further an alien agenda, but a doubling down on who we are at the Advent. In a word, this visioning process is about ensuring by God's grace that the Advent will remain the Advent 
and the decades to come should the Lord tarry. It should be said that 2017 was not a year of plotting and planning. If it was anything, it was a year of prayer. This process has been bathed in prayer, and beyond that, we have made prayer an overarching priority in all that we do. If we are on our knees before the throne of grace and faithfully proclaiming the gospel, God is with us. I hope that you will join me in giving thanks to God for what he has done and is doing in this place. May he grant us the courage to follow after him, our good shepherd. One of the things that is clear in this whole process is that I am surrounded by faithful, capable, and gifted staff. I want to thank all of them for their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and dedication to be in ministry to and for our church family. Uh, I, I won't name everybody because inevitably I'll leave out uh, some names, uh, but I want to say thank you and I love you and it is a joy and privilege to serve with all of you, but two of you, you know who you are. <laughs> it's a joke. 2017 saw some transition in staffing. Katie Carroll and Palmer Kennedy left the youth ministry, Katie to pursue a master's degree in counseling, and Palmer to take a chaplain's position at an Episcopal school in South Louisiana. And in our nursery, we lost our long-term nursery associate, Kay McCarty, who was such a blessing to the little ones, and also Becky Rothrock, who at one time was part of our mission and outreach team, our communications team, and then finally settled in as our nursery coordinator before she and her husband and children moved to Tampa, Florida this last year. In 2017, we gained new staff. Rachel Kane and Tucker Fleming joined the youth staff. Lila Wooten took over as the nursery coordinator, and Michael Weeks joined as a clergy associate in a very part-time position after being ordained and as an ordinan from the Diocese of Sydney in Australia. In 2018, as already noted in The Adventurer and earlier on in the morning, we will also see one of our clergy, Deborah Layton, move into a part-time position to allow her more time with her daughter. The visioning process has made clear our long-standing priorities and has made clear what kind of people we need and what kind of positions we need. But in spite of that clarity, we as a church are faced with difficulty. Where are we to find ministry staff, especially for the Advent? It may seem strange, but there's not a week that goes by that I don't think who my replacement is. Now you look at me and say, you're looking young, I know, I use a daily moisturizer, I look great. But I wouldn't be a very good steward as your pastor if I didn't think that, that even looking possibly 20, 30 years down the road, who will replace me? Leadership development is one of our top priorities that seeks to address this issue in the long term. As crazy as it may seem, I do ask who will replace me. We have become over-reliant on a system that is broken and relationships that are now nearly non-existent to carry on this task. Our denomination is an intentional in its trajectory and shows no signs of shifting, and even our own diocese. The General Convention of the Episcopal Church meets this summer, which is the governing body of our denomination that meets every three years. I once nearly had, uh, had someone convinced who was a deputy to General Convention to submit a resolution that they would meet only once every 15 years. And this summer, no different than previous conventions as of late, we'll be voting on a revision of the Book of Common Prayer, among other things. 
even if these changes are not voted upon at this convention, I believe it's only kicking the can down the road. Their position is established and it manifests itself unofficially in the practices of dioceses and congregations around the nation. The Advent finds itself sometimes very much alone. But even so, we are assured because we know what was delivered to us of first importance and what we have received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. I was reading recently and listening to a talk about Bernard Montgomery, who served as a young officer in World War I, of course would go on to great military fame in World War II, especially in the North African theater. And after World War I, he was incredibly depressed and distressed at military tactics and strategy. And in the interim between the World Wars, Montgomery's wife died of a terrible blood infection. And so Montgomery threw himself wholly over to studying the practice and art of war. He read everything that he could get his hands on, and he found himself really immersed in studying Napoleon. And he came across an interesting quote from Napoleon, which was this, Generals should not run wars. Napoleon, of all people, said generals should not run wars. And all of a sudden, World War I began to make sense to Bernard Montgomery, one, I think the church could be included in this, we're always prepared to fight the last war. And not just that, but he saw the carnage that was World War I as the result of general officers sitting in encampments miles and miles beyond the front line, sending young men to their deaths mindlessly and often pointlessly. And so Montgomery made it a point in his own command, to ask his junior officers, what are you seeing? In North Africa, the majors and the captains and the colonels, tell me what it is that you're seeing on the front lines. And based on those eyes, Montgomery was able to make battle-changing, history-changing, right decisions. He realized that Napoleon was right, that generals should not run wars. Indeed, Dick Lucas, the 40-year rector of St. Helens Bishopsgate in the city of London, the great skyscraper there in down by Canary Wharf called the Gherkin, because it looks like a Gherkin pickle, uh, there is St. Helens right in its shadow. And Dick Lucas served there faithfully, and not just one of the most faithful churches in, in all of London diocese, if not the Church of England, uh, certainly one of the most successful, especially with their lunchtime businessmen and women Bible studies. But Dick Lucas remarked, he said, in the over 40 years that I was the rector of St. Helen's Bishopsgate, we had many, many bishops of London come through for confirmation and other visits. He said, some of them very godly and faithful men. And he said, but in over 40 years, not one of them ever asked me, what's your secret? How is it that your numbers are so high? Tell, tell me what it is that you're doing. Generals should not run wars. And if we're relying on a bureaucratic structure to ensure our long-term strategy of the proclamation of the gospel, 
We have to do it ourselves. That's what the visioning process is about. We have to find creative and faithful ways. Working within the structures, I'm not talking about going outside the structures, but finding creative and faithful ways in order to ensure the gospel witness of this congregation. And I take this very seriously. At least once a week, I read through the exhortation that is given to those who are about to be ordained priests from the 1662 Book of Common Prayer, and I want to share it with you now. This is what the bishop says to the person about to be ordained. Ye have heard, brethren, as well in your private examination as in the exhortation which was now made to you, and in the holy lessons taken out of the gospel, and the writings of the apostles, apostles of what dignity and of how great importance this office is, Whereunto ye are called. And now again we exhort you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that ye have in remembrance how high a dignity and how weighty an office and charge ye are called. That is to say, to be messengers, watchmen, and stewards of the Lord. To teach and to promonish, to feed and provide for the Lord's family. To seek for Christ's sheep that are dispersed abroad and for his children who are in the midst of this naughty world, that they may be saved through Christ forever. Have always, therefore, printed in your remembrance how great a treasure is committed to your charge, for they are the sheep of Christ, which he bought with his death, and for whom he shed his blood. The church and congregation whom you must serve is his spouse and his body, and if it shall happen that the same church or any member thereof do take any hurt or hindrance by reason of your negligence, ye know the greatness of the fault and also the horrible punishment that will ensue. Wherefore, consider with yourselves the end of the ministry towards the children of God, towards the spouse and body of Christ, and see that you never cease your labor, your care and diligence, until ye have done all that lieth in you according to your bounden duty to bring all such as are or shall be committed to your charge unto that agreement in the faith and knowledge of God and to the ripeness and perfection of age in Christ, that there be no place left among you either for error in religion or viciousness in life. You are to be messengers, watchmen, and stewards of the Lord. It is a great and terrible responsibility that I bear, but none more joyful and beautiful and wonderful to know that I'm called to be the shepherd of you, God's sheep, God's family, God's spouse, the very body of Christ. And so I pray that by God's grace that we will continue on faithfully in this place not resting on our laurels of the past, which are glorious, yes, but looking forward to those who have not heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to seek and make it our aim that Christ shall be made known and worshipped to the very ends of the earth. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.